Johan Larson buried that like a champ. Right out of the bar. Sure <laughs> he almost had another, he almost had that other one at the end like, of the period. Too. Like ten seconds later, right? Like right at like, yeah. the next like sequence. He right. one. I was dude, I stood up in my seat like just I couldn't believe that didn't go in. Like, come on, yo, man. Well, Johan Larson uses all of his skill to bury that like a goal scorer under the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. That was such a good shot. It really was. All right, let's get going here. Welcome to episode 108 of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didemenesis, and as always, joined by Anthony Chandra and Bill Shockey. What is going on, fellas? We still have technically a regulation undefeated team in our hands two weeks into the season, so we're, we're, I guess we're kind of sitting pretty right now. Sitting pretty. I know. We talked about it last time, though. Where it's, uh, it's new to us. To talk right. about a winning team, and here we go, two weeks in, and we still haven't lost regulation. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's obviously better than anyone expected, uh, not anyone, but better than we expected to start the year. Uh, yeah. Results are there. It's fun for now. It's cool seeing us at the top of the standings, uh, especially with Montreal Twitter imploding last week, which is always an entertaining thing to see happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, time times are good. So there's – um. There's some interesting things to talk about. You know, it's <laughs> – I'm trying to use my words carefully already. And we're like four minutes in. So let's kind of get a few things out of the way here. That Let's first do this. Here's what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about some the Dallin thing. Uh, we're talking about the third period, the last two games, kind of how that hasn't gone their way. Uh, we're talking about Yokihara and Olsen. Apparently they're going to be staying. Uh, they have a West Coast trip coming up, which will be pretty interesting before – they have Dallas tomorrow slash today, depending on you're listening to that. So that might be their biggest challenge. At least they also struggle, you know, like they're one four and one, but I still think it's the best team they're gonna they've played to this point. So it it'll be kind of get interesting here, kind of how things go. I mean, the goaltenders aren't too bad, but I kind of I kind of want to get this out of the way now and 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 kind of set the tone for the entire podcast because I don't want a thousand comments saying how we're being negative people. <laughs> the the team is doing good. They're winning games. They have nine points, nine of the first ten points. That's good. The coach is doing very well done a lot of good things for this team he's put the team in a lot of good situations the system looks to be working and the players seem to buy, be buying into that good excellent grand let's pick those things up and we're going to set it over here and then we're going to go over here and pick the next thing up and we're going to talk about some things that haven't been going well maybe they can prove on for example well we'll start here we'll start our discussion 
two games in a row now, they've blown third period, two goal third period leads at home. Now, the coach has decided in his decision or something that coaching staff, I would assume the head coach ultimately is part of that decision to, in a way, kind of pull the brakes back, pull the reins back, as you could say, and kind of go into more of a defensive shell. So in two games, it hasn't worked. Now we get to Friday night against the Panthers. And then we have Rasmus Dahlin sitting for eight minutes in the third period. He's had his moments. He's had his up and downs, but I guess I'll let you guys, Anthony, I'll let you kind of go first and give your part of it. Cause I'm sure a lot of people have seen my take on this on Twitter. So it's gonna be a lot of the stuff you kind of already read, but I'll, I'll get into it. Maybe a little bit more details. I'm talking you through, but I, I just, I, I get it in a way he's 19 fine. He had some struggles against Montreal. Yes, you could say, okay. But at the end of the day, if I'm trying to win a hockey game, and that is my most dynamic offensive defenseman, maybe like I don't want to sit him for eight minutes. Maybe like you sit him for the last three instead of having Ristolainen, Scandella, and uh, McKay rotate through because they all three of them were dead in the last two minutes. And then they gave up that goal late. So maybe like, you kind of let him get one or two more shifts in and maybe he creates a goal and then you like, it doesn't matter because you're going to win. So that's kind of my, my high level point, but I'll kind of let Anthony give his two cents in this whole situation. So I know we got a lot of questions that were sent into about that. Yeah. It, it's just, there's a couple of things I want to touch on here. Let, let's start with Darlene, right? You, you can't tell me that a dog tired Jake McCabe, Marco Scandella insert, whoever you'd like to put in there is as good of a zone clearing asset or a defensive asset as a rested on eight minutes Rasmus Dahlin. You, you know what I mean? I don't care how old he is. And, you know, you got people on Twitter saying, well, it's an 82 game season, which he played last year in big minutes. But, oh, okay, cool. It's just none of that makes sense to me, you know. But uh, I mean, to cut uh, you off quickly, Scandella and Ruslan should never see the ice without any situation. Ever, ever, ever. Right. <laughs> you, you're ahead of me. You're ahead of me. All right. So, so. Then you you proceed to not only not put him out there, which I think is egregious in and of itself, but you put your worst zone transition defensemen out there together in Ristolainen and Scandella, as you just said, right? And, and you know, well, Scandella has been so much better at it this year. Well, his partner's been Yoki Haru. Who, you know what I'm saying? And that, yeah, right. I think we kind of saw, well, that's definitely part of it because he did not look good with Ristolainen. And granted, they were dog tired, like you said. It just, I've always, even going back to, you know, the Lindy Ruff days, I have hated the defensive shell with, with, with a small lead, right? If you're gonna do, if you want to do that and you're up five to one, like, cool, do that. You know what I'm saying? But that was a team that could have been buried, right? They, they were uh, out shooting them leading into the third period. I felt they were outplaying them just overall. I mean, from man, those first couple opportunities that Florida got in the first, after that, it was all Buffalo in terms of possession. And then you proceed to bench all of your best possession defensemen. It was just so bizarre conversely though i will give him credit i liked what he did with the forwards uh i like that he kind of put that fourth line up yeah that was weird um but i like how he kind of leaned on that fourth line because they are they had been all season and continued to be you know that game the best possession line on the team so i like that but you saw though and it was something i wrote about last week a big reason that that line is so effective possession wise right now and in transition is because you've got better puck moving defensemen as soon as you took your best puck moving defenseman out of the game that line didn't be, was not nearly as effective, and Florida hemmed the Sabres in their zone. So, yeah, they won the game, and everyone wants to point at the scoreboard, you know, and, and that's cool. I'm glad they won. 
But if you think getting outshot 19 to four in the third period with a two goal lead is a, or a one goal lead, whatever is a sustainable model, you're kidding yourself. And, you know, scream tactics, scream everything. And by the way, I'm not taking a darn thing away from what Kruger's done so far. I like 90% of what he's done. I just think these last two games have been troublesome from a tactical standpoint at the end of the game. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it, it's, he's a new coach too, right? So he's, he's trying to learn his players. He's trying to learn a few things here. So right, like right now it, it's in two weeks into the season. It's not a huge deal, right? I mean, you would hope he cleans that thing. He cleans that up and figures it out. Hopefully he right. learns some of these two games that maybe that's not the best approach and doesn't do it anymore. And we're seeing some different things like in his deployment. I tweeted about it yesterday is, to start the season, we saw McCabe and Ristolainen getting the majority of the defensive zone starts. While against Florida, the majority, vast majority, of the defensive zone starts actually went to Scandella and Yokiharu. So we've kind of seen some changes there a little bit. So maybe there's more coming in, in terms of that situation. But getting back to this overall two-goal lead thing, it's, and then I'll kind of let – I know Bill didn't see the game on Saturday, so I'll, I'll let him kind of speak of any opinions or thoughts he has. But, uh, you know, it's – I, I understand they won, right? And I, I guess trying to get away from the whole Dalene thing a little bit here, maybe got to go big picture on this. So I think we can all agree that the overall goal of Sabres fans is for this team to be a playoff team. But in most situations in a playoff race, it comes down to one or two points. It comes down to maybe tiebreakers. Well, Montreal and Florida, who right now you would say probably competing, going to be competing with them for a playoff spot if you're going to be there, well, you just gave them both a point. So you had an opportunity to take two points on them, but you just hand them both a point by these, you know, sitting back a little bit and let them keep coming at you and eventually right. tying the game. And not to mention, you also gave away t- two tiebreakers. You gave away two regulation wins, which could be a tiebreaker down the stretch. So I get it. It's October. There's going to be a lot of hockey games. Different things happen. But when it comes down to a point or two, it's it's – kind of a big deal because it could be that point or two that makes a difference or it could be that one tiebreaker that kind of make it makes a difference. So yes, they won. It's fine. They won both games. I get it. I understand, but you kind of have to think big picture on those things too, right? I mean, it's, it's 82 games with a lot of games, but there's still little things in a season where you kind of want to clean up and you have the opportunity not to mention in your own building too. So, you know, it's, some of the decisions have been interesting in terms of him sitting back, which, you know, it, it's fine. It's not a big deal. So hopefully he cleans it up. You know, I, I don't like the VC idea to go from the fourth, I guess you can call them the fourth line now, where they haven't done much. We're going to set Olsen. It really hasn't been that good at 5 on 5 We're going to put VC there, who's a defensive liability, and almost cost them a goal earlier with like five minutes left because he didn't pick up Ekblad coming to the slot because he just never looked. He fell asleep. So. You know, I, I just think there's some things you hopefully can kind of figure out, you know, realizing getting a better grip on your players. But it's, it's I guess you could say to wrap this kind of whole thing up, it's maybe something to kind of keep an eye on going forward here to see if he does change anything up with that situational deployment. And Bill, I'll kind of let you go now. I, I guess I, I, Bill didn't see the game on Saturday. He was too busy partying in Toronto. But <laughs> if you have any any thoughts overall, I mean, you saw the Montreal game. So, I, did, so I, I mean, there's a couple of things here, right? So. I would think number one, Ch- Chad's point is kind of be what I was going to bring up is that, you know, he, he is a new coach and like he hasn't coached in the NHL since 
whenever it was with the Edmonton Oilers. So like in the NHL, he's, he's a new coach. And I think to your point here, these things are the things that it's okay that it's happening now or not. Okay. But you, you can kind of get that excuse, the new coach excuse, as long as you eventually start to see the progress of things being fixed. Now, the thing that I would worry about, and it's good from obviously a point and fan standpoint is they're winning. And usually you don't see changes after wins. Right. So right. I think as we, they keep winning here, I don't think, especially some of the other changes that we were talking about, you know, Saboka on the second line um, and like kind of encompassing, encompassing all of this. Uh, I don't, I don't think you really see any change. Now, if we do start to see some changes, even with the winnings, I mean, I think that would be an extremely good sign of things going forward of, learning what, what does work and what doesn't. But, I mean, e- even to Anthony's point, it drives me bananas when teams try and sit back on one, two goal leads and just try and play some defensive hockey and basically, you know, let them come at you and get every chance possible to, to score and, and tie the game. And I, to both of your guys' point, I think, and this, also, this goes back to even, like, my penalty kill idea of, like, using it as a weapon. I, I think when you have the lead, you put your best possession guys out there and you try and attack, get that one more goal, get that next goal. And until, like Anthony said, once you're up by four or three, uh, I think it doesn't matter as much. But it's a little concerning, like you said, two games in a row, two goal leads blown. I mean, the Columbus game, they had no business even getting a point, so that was nice. Montreal, I think it's one of those games where it's a coach's nightmare, but it's a lot of fun to watch from a fan standpoint. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I didn't see any of the Florida game. But, I mean, for the highlights – Look like there's some good things, um, but overall, and one other thing too, didn't Darlene at the beginning of the year say the biggest challenge for him or the biggest thing that he learned is that it was an 82 game season. He got tired at the end. Yeah. I'm not saying it's an excuse or why it's yeah. being done. Right. He, he did say that. So I wonder if yep. that has any kind of reasoning to why Kruger is kind of starting the season the way he is. Right. And yeah. I mean, and there's, there's something to that. Sure. I mean, it's, he, I, <laughs> I think to your overall point too, with him being a new coach and, you know, hopefully some things changes here and some things correct themselves. It's, you know, we're only five games in. So at some point, right. They're going to start losing. So it's going to be what happens. When that right. Happens. Yeah. I mean, it, um, I, I can live with Darlene playing 18 minutes a night through the first month and a half of the season where it's going to start to become problematic to me is in like the middle of November. Like after you have, like after you're like after the Sweden trip, I guess you could say, like then, then like I, I kind of see, need to see Darlene kind of step back up and kind of be that, that guy, right? To, to get the, that top pair minutes and be an important piece and an important player. So it's, I, I need to see those those changes start to happen in the next in the next couple of weeks to a month. Until then, I'm okay with it. You, you want to work him in slow because he's young. You want to see him improve some things. You know, playing 18 minutes a night, fine. That that's okay. I mean, you, I know load management was is a big thing in premier league. So maybe he kind of got that from the soccer world and kind of was bringing that to the NHL and, you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that means you need to bench him for eight minutes of a third period, but overall his five on five time on ice is pretty, is the lowest, you know, among all, all the defensemen. So you kind of need to see that go eventually and change. But for now I'm, I'm kind of okay where it is, but pretty soon it's going to become an issue for me if it doesn't change. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost is almost. And I'm not comparing the two guys; they're not remotely similar. But 
it's a little bit similar to how we, you know, kind of talked about it last year, but, but now you have an entire season of sample showing you that Rasmus Dahlin is your best defenseman. Now, does that mean he's your best defensive zone defenseman? Probably, but I can understand, you know what I mean? Having that stay at home guy take a little bit of heavier role when you're preserving a lead. Fine. Uh, okay. Whatever. But Again, it doesn't come down to, oh, well, his usage was dropped down in the third period. No, it was essentially eliminated. Like, that's the whole crux of the issue, right? And if you want to talk about conserving the guy, fine. I mean, I still think it's a weird argument to make, especially because Yogi Haru is one year older. You know what I mean? It's just there's no discernible reason why Rasmus Dahlin at any point in the season should be your lowest minute defenseman at five on five. It just makes no sense to me. But again, Kruger, I want to keep repeating this because people get upset. Kruger has done a lot more good than bad. We're, we're, and, and I don't want to call this nitpicking, but these are just little things that could very well change, like Chad said, at the season, as the season goes on. Uh, but it's just little stuff we're noticing now. And, and it's, almost, it's almost human nature a little bit to start kind of picking these things and looking for these things because of what we saw last year when there were so many of them, you know I mean? So many of these indicators just thrown in your face 24 seven that were just kind of routinely ignored during that 10 game streak in November. So now it's kind of in the back of everybody's head, like, Hey, wait a minute. What about this? What about this? Everyone's just kind of seeking out optimization. Now that doesn't mean we're not satisfied. It doesn't mean that, you know, things aren't getting better because they clearly discern, you know, discernibly are, but you can't get upset when, when, you know, after, what we've seen from this organization for what eight years, I don't know more that we start looking at, Hey, this isn't being optimized. Hey, this isn't being optimized. Yeah. The standings are great, but you know, is this really sustainable? Those questions are going to come up until this is a really good team that makes really consistently good decisions. So, you know, it is what it is. We're talking about it as we should be. Uh, quickly, you know, I get kind of stepping back to Darlene here. That's, you know, it is one game, so it's it's not the end of the world. Now, if they get a lead right. against Dallas and he sits for eight minutes again in the third period, then I think you might have a problem on our hands. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes here. I guess we're going to get our first look tomorrow um, slash today, kind of when you're, we're going to get an idea if that's going to continue because he has, you know, he has done some of the same things. He sat Metalstead, he sat Rodriguez for two games late. So he's pulled Olsen off that first line. So he, is a, he has a pattern of doing the kind of the same things here. So we'll – will kind of monitor the Darlene situation late if they do have a lead against Dallas, how he handles that. But, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of, kind of get back to Darlene itself, it's a, uh, it's, I think that the, the overall argument thing here is, again, I mean, we understand his age. We understand all of that, but last year he played big minutes and he, he, he was handled it. He put in those situations and he was fine. I understand to this point, there's been some things, and particularly it's really the Montreal game, because he was excellent against Columbus. You know, they got rolled over, but, you know, uh, Miller and Darlene were, I mean, crushed the second and third lines of Columbus. So he was good in that game, and I thought he was fine in the first two games. So it's, it's really just the Montreal game where he really struggled, and I didn't think he was too bad against Florida either. He had his shifts here or there, but, you know, the, the, the thing that scares me, it was kind of something we talked about, Bill and I, we kind of talked about Housley last year, is – and again, I'm, quickly say, I'm not saying Kruger is doing this, but it's just a fear of mine and kind of something I have in my head. You know, it kind of goes back to even to the Dan Bilesmas days with Eichel, is I don't want them to install in his head defense, 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 clean up your zone, defense first, clean up your zone, because he's going to make mistakes, just like Eichel still makes mistakes and turns the puck over. But what's going to happen is the majority of the time, 
you're going to get great plays out of that because they're going to take chances while the players won't. It's not always going to work, but I don't want to ruin a player like Dalian or Eichel's creativity thought process. So I, I don't want him to think in his head, oh, I got to protect the puck. So I'm not going to go try to make that rush and try to make something happen. I'm just going to dish it over here and, and kind of see how it goes or do make, make the quote unquote safe play. I don't want that from him. So again, I, I'm not saying Kruger is doing that by any means. That's just my fear if this type of situation continues and they keep benching him or sitting him for stretches because he has a couple turnovers here and there. It's just part of the play. You live with it because of everything else in their game is so excellent that those few turnovers you know, are not going to kill you. They're, they're, maybe it'll result in one goal against sometimes. But in most cases, they're going to be a hand in three goals against that, three goals for that night. So it's kind of a give and take the way those kind of players go. And I just don't want to take creativity out of anybody like that. Which is kind of funny because <clears throat> now I know the first two games they, they dominated and they're not the same as the last three, but we were literally praising him last podcast because we thought that's what he was doing. Like there was a little bit of structure, you know, where to be and, and how to protect in the defensive zone and that kind of stuff. But for the most part in the first two games, we thought they were given the creativity to just go. And if you make mistakes, it happens. But, I mean, look, look, look what actually happens on the, on the flip coin of that is, you know, if you let these guys go and kind of try, you know, the high skill play with guys that can do it. I mean, your Eichels, your Darlene's, Skinner's. I, I think it's just, it's kind of weird how in five games we've flipped and I, maybe it's just because there's been some adversity in the last three, as opposed to the first two. But like you said, I, I think at this point, it's kind of more of a thing to watch going forward as opposed to, like hitting a panic button yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, again, this isn't the sky is falling. It's just, hey, you know, I noticed this thing. We should probably, look, you know, think about this thing. Uh, you know, it's one aspect. It's one It's one little issue. I mean, everything else the team has done, and again, I, I've, I've said this in a couple articles, you know, this week and last, especially on the back end, how they've handled transition and how they've improved possession play. It's all great. I mean, it's all awesome. It's just, you know, the, these little... Mm, I don't know, subtleties that, that, that you know, are, are worth looking out for, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. So we're going to get our first break in here, and then I think we're going to have some more positive, I mean, there's a negative, but we're going to talk about some of the good things, I think, in the second half of the podcast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get more into our fan question stuff. Uh, we'll talk about Yoki Haru and Olsen, as you mentioned. Uh, what's going to happen when Montour gets back? Kind of talk about that a little bit, and also some other things, the game's coming up. So, Stick with us here, uh, here on the Beyond the Blade podcast on the SB Nation podcast network. And we'll be back with you in 30 seconds. Alrighty, welcome back. So... Uh, so we're going to get into the fan questions here, uh, kind of in the second half, let that kind of drive our conversation here. But, uh, what we kind of want to do here, cause like I said, it's going to be more, this is a four and one team. So there's a lot of good things happening. And I think we should kind of talk about that. So I've decided maybe we'll kind of go around the room here and kind of give or talk about, uh, maybe what's better. I guess I'll kind of leave the creativity to you guys because you guys are creative people. So the, the way I'll, I'll put it is kind of maybe what you're most excited about or kind of the thing you are most optimistic about. This will continue going forward or maybe something that surprised you in a good way. So um, 
Andy and I talked a lot in the first half of this podcast. So I think it's fair to let Bill go first this time and kind of get, get us a little bit of airtime here. All righty. So I'll save this one because hopefully that's what Anthony's is. So I'll <laughs> go with uh, <laughs> that one was player specific. So we'll see. Uh, but I think I'm going to go. I, I mean, I got to go with the power play, right? And the best power yeah. play in the league still over 40%. Um, they just look really, really good. Now Olafson is. And at least in the first five games, he's been everything you asked for and more on the power play. Uh, it kind of gives you that dual threat on both sides. I think even in the Montreal game, you had Olafson score from the right. And then yep. the next power play, Eichel scored from the left, both on really nice shots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, that first unit is just deadly. I mean, there's, there's kind of no other way to put it. They, they move the puck really well. There's been some really, really nice passes. The cross-ice stuff has been, I mean, thick to tape. And it's, it's, it's been really good to see. And it's kind of why they are uh, and they have the record that they have at this point. Um, yeah. I, I mean, even in the Montreal game, a little shout out to the kind of the Jack Eichel game of the season so far, he was a monster. So I'll go, I guess, sub A there. So Bill, I want you to actually do the one you were going to do because mine's not necessarily player specific. So I'm kind of curious what you had. I just, I mean, Marcus Johansson, I think, has been oh, yeah. an amazing yep. pickup for this team. Mm-hmm. He's played really well. I mean, the passes he's made and, you know, even the, I think the passing in general has just been great for, for a lot of these players. I mean, Yoki Haro has been fantastic. Miller finding Johansson in overtime yeah. uh, on the one. Like, mm-hmm. for him to have that heads up play to not just rip the shot again and to find Johansson across ice for him to have basically a wide open net. I mean, it's just been offensively they've just looked much much better crisp passing and, and they're finishing which has just been fantastic but yeah I mean as, as kind of just a as a, a pickup I think he's been I, I thought he was going to be good but I, I didn't expect him to be this good this quickly I guess I would say especially at center too right right sure. right yeah, that was something he hasn't done consistently or, or, or I guess, uh, mostly uh, since 2012, I think. So, yeah, it's been it's been a minute since he's served as a center. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, if we're talking about, you know, the – I don't want to necessarily call this biggest surprise, but it's the thing that, that has got me the most, like, happy, I guess, or, or satisfied with what I'm seeing. And we touched on it a little bit uh, earlier on. It's that fourth line and kind of by extension how – a better overall transition team is is maximizing kind of we saw on the defensive side last year how you know competent and, and able that that trio was that Oposo Larson Gergensen's trio right now that they've got puck moving defensemen behind them who are capable of helping them on that rush and, and kind of catalyze zone exits they're sustaining pressure now in the offensive zone and they are just so fun to watch and you finally saw them kind of finish one and which should have been two at the end of that uh, second period on Friday night when Larson got that goal and, and then missed the wide open net uh, maybe 30 seconds later. But I just love everything that line is doing and just how they're being used. And I think if I'm going to point my finger at one thing, like my favorite thing, let's say by extension Kruger is doing right now is how he's using that line and, and just the pace they're playing with and, they're just annoying. They're just a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. But you know, to play against, and so that 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 that's got to be the one for me. So yeah, I mean, those are both good things. You know, Johansson's been great. Um, that Lar- I can't even call him a fourth line anymore. I call him a Larson line now. It, it's I'm still gonna call it the fourth line. 
you know, <laughs> they, they've been excellent. They've been their most consistent and best line, you know, in every single game. And just whenever they're on the ice, the puck's in the offensive zone. And it's good to see them get rewarded for that. It really was. So they, they kind of deserved it. And, you know, good for Larson to kind of bury that one. And like you said, he almost had one a few few minutes later. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's good. I, I think for me to kind of spinning off of those two things, a little bit what Anthony talked about, uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is kind of something I referenced a few times even in the offseason is I think the the change we're seeing from the blue line in terms of the ability to transition from defense to offense quickly and how that's mm-hmm. helping this team. Uh, they're not getting hemmed in their zone for long stretches. Uh, they have players who, you know, with a little bit of that um, Kruger, you know, system, those stretch passes he likes to get in there. We, we've seen Yoki Haro hit in a few. Uh, we've, we've seen Miller, I think, get a few guys out there. But, I mean, there's a lot of players on this team now that have that ability and have that talent to get the puck out of the zone and, you know, not get hemmed in for a long period of time, which results in goals and results in bad possession numbers and other stuff like that. So that's good. That, that, that's impressive. It's exciting to see because I think that's a step, definitely a step in the right direction. I think there's, you know, when Montour gets back in, you know, that's another excellent puck mover you're going to get in. So that's, to look forward to it it's kind of like he's the forgotten man here he's been injured and things have been going so well and like oh yeah they still have Brandon Montour too is going to come back here in a couple of weeks so you, know, you gotta get remember those things so it'll be interesting kind of how that goes so spinning off of that to an individual player you know I, I wrote about it I, I think Yoki Haru Henry Yoki Haru has been excellent I think he's mm-hmm. been what you wanted and more I mean he's he's done a good job stabilizing Marco Scandella if you will uh helping him not be a tire fire back there helping him defer, or have Scandella defer to him uh, in situations where the puck needs to get out of the zone. And, and and I'm sure Scandella has helped his game as well. You know, he's a veteran defender. Let's not deny that. So it's not just all Yoki Haru carrying that pair, but, you know, it, it's good to see. It, it's good to see that. And, you know, for kids only 20 years old, and, and that trade looks like a steal right now. I mean, we have Alex Nylander, who's been healthy scratch the last two games for Chicago. So, that looks like that was just highway robbery at this point. And it's, it's, it's exciting to see you're a 20 year old defenseman along with the 19 year old stud that you have. And then Lawrence pilot, don't forget is still kind of kicking around here if they ever decide to bring him back when he's healthy. So you have the pieces of a young, impressive puck moving defensive core. And I think something to be excited about moving forward. So that's, that's kind of a, a bigger point to kind of getting to a singular player that I, I think it's really impressive and kind of exciting to see. It makes the game fun, right? It's we talked about kind of getting that that high event hockey in a way. You're kind of they're more offensive. They're they're better in the neutral zone. They're they're better on the four track, I think, because of those reasons. And you know that's something they haven't had on this team in a long time. That I remember Bill and I have banged the table for getting some better puck movie defensemen here because they just haven't had it in a really really long time. Oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely nice to see. I think it's, I, I yeah, I mean to your point, I, I think it's. You can only go up from here too, which is even more exciting with how young the group is. Uh, and, and if they plan on keeping them all together, which you would imagine. So especially with what was said that I think you have the beginning of something here that c- could be really, really good going forward. You can finally maybe start to see, maybe we can get to a point where this is all, we're not questioning what this is and uh, they can start to get some consistent, good hockey going here and uh, God forbid some playoff years. <laughs> so before we kind of get to the fan questions there, there's a question i kind of want to propose to you guys we can kind of pick around a little bit here this um i thought about it when again when uh i think it was bill mentioned olsen the power play and how he's doing there um 
Kevin and I were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier back and forth, um, DMing about this idea. And I'm kind of curious if your guys thought. So we know Olofsson has done really well on the power play, and that's kind of his thing. But so much on the – not so much, but on the flip side, at five on five, he really hasn't been that good. You know, there really hasn't – he hasn't really generated – he hasn't had a lot of scoring chances at five on five. He – it kind of just feels like it's, it's not working. And I'm kind of curious, like, how many more games do you think – if they're winning games, it's probably not going to change. But let's say they don't continue to win every single game here. How many more games would you kind of give that a look before maybe you kind of try to switch up that line and get something else or somebody else up there? Do you wait till Shiri is back and then just leave it till then? Or would you kind of tinker with that after a game or two? Or would you kind of just leave it until things get ugly? I'm just kind of curious of your guys' thoughts. It's it's so funny. I make notes, you know, just for every podcast, just thoughts I had. And I had should then be playing first line five on five. And I deleted. I'm like, that's everyone's going to hate that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I had that thought uh, as well. And you kind of saw it at the end of the Florida game where he took Olafson off that top line kind of toward, you know, maybe the middle of the third period. I want to say Montreal game did it too. Yeah. Did he? Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Right. So he put a VC up there, right? For both games, yeah. Yeah, that's a okay. weird choice, but um, <laughs> weird alternative. But yeah, he's uh, his five on five play has not been great. I mean, he's a power play monster. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's he's probably man. He's got the best shot I've seen in a long, long time uh, on a Sabres, you know, roster. But yeah, I, I could totally see when Shearer gets back, him kind of filling into that role, and then I don't know. I, I don't want to see VC get moved up, and I definitely don't want VC and Olsen on the same line. So I don't know what they do there. Maybe aptly move Sabotka off the second line uh, and, and, you know, work with what you've got in, in that regard and just send him to Roanovia. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I had that same thought and it, it's not to the point of concern yet. I mean, it's his first year in the NHL, right? There's going to be growing pains. I didn't expect him to come in here and be, you know, a maven at five on five, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's something that's uh, if if the trends that we're seeing kind of continue here, it's it's going to become a little bit more prevalent of a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I guess my question was going to be, the problem is who do you replace him with, and right. kind of answered that with Shiri because I mean, <clears throat> other than that, I, I really don't. You're like you're not taking Skinner off the second line, and no, um, I, I just obviously they don't love Rodriguez, so I, I just don't. Say, know. I would say Rodriguez, but apparently I don't think they're a big fan of him over there. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at the roster in that respect, I just don't know who you kind of move him for. I, like the VC thing was weird. I mean, I, I think he's just kind of struggled overall. His his, um, his next good game will be his first game, but that's the way I'll put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, he's I, discernibly been the worst forward on the team. Yeah. He worse than Saboka. I, I think yeah. easily he's been the worst. I mean, Middlestead hasn't got great games either, but I still think no. he's been better than VC has. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is just such a head scratcher. But um yeah, I mean I I think if you have somebody that maybe if they ever go make a trade when their ten defensemen come back, I just don't know who you throw up there. So I guess he kind of works through it for now and he's so good on the power play, it kinda doesn't matter as much at this point. But I could definitely see it down the road being not necessarily an issue, but definitely something that you can work at getting better at five on five and then obviously you can just still throw them out there on the first power play unit and, and right. score 40 goals. Right. I and mean, this is a, well, someone kind of tweeted it a little bit, but I think after the first game or two where he's definitely not that level yet, but in a way we're, we're kind of getting some Patrick line esque play here. You know, mm-hmm. he is, 
He is, yeah. does a lot of good things in the power play, but at five and five, there's a lot to be desired there. So. Oh, man. Who is that guy on the Coyotes a few years ago? Bodker, Michael Bodker, who did literally all of his production on the yeah. power play and absolutely right. nothing yep. at five on five. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's still, there's still a need for it on the team, right? Because a goal yeah. is a goal. I mean, you know, so, but yeah. ideally at five on five, where the, most of the game is played, it kind of, I wouldn't say he's a liability yet, but I, I feel like you kind of want to know maybe there's a chance you're going to get something instead of kind of, just nothing and only on the power play. By the way, I mean, cap aside, again, I'm not talking financially, but if Olafson turns into a Patrick line, I don't know if that's the worst thing ever. You know what I'm oh, saying? It's just, right. I mean, you, you can find a route, find a spot for it, right? You can make right. it work with your team, but um, you know, I thought that was interesting when someone tweeted, I'm like, oh, that, that kind of makes sense. That kind yeah. of is like a mini situation of what's going on here. But we'll see. I mean, it's Olafson's first NHL season. So full NHL season. Of right. NHL exactly. Games. He's twenty. He's twenty three or twenty four. Can't remember. So he's a little bit twenty four. You know the, the the NHL game moves quicker. I mean, he adapted to it in the AHL, so there's no reason I think he can't adapt to it at the NHL. This might take some time, like it did in Rochester, which is fine. Right, that's part of development. Right. All right. So Real this quick. is. Can I just go ahead, Bill? Uh, yep. Go ahead. He didn't come up too much, so I just want to give Skinner a little love too. We were worried about him. Yeah. New center <laughs> and kind of Savoka on that line too, and he's got three goals in five games. That back check. He had to steal it and turn around and score. Oh, it was, was so nice. pretty. Um, so yeah, just a little, little Jeff Skinner love because we were kind of worried about it. Nine million dollar man without Eichel, and, and so far, you haven't really seen any kind of drop off, which has been nice. I think yeah, that that's a tribute to in, Johansson. Right, but, I was saying that kind of ties back into Johansson, where he kind of yeah. he has some of those Eichel-esque quantities, qualities, and in, in terms of you know his puck distribution. So I think Skinner still kind of feeding off of that. But that's good. It's right. I mean, if you can have another guy. Still produce at the same level on a different line, you know. That again, that allows you to break up your scoring, which is something we've talked about a lot over the last year. So, but that's going to keep clicking. That that's really good news for the Sabers. All right, so now this is this is the portion where Bill takes over as host of the podcast, and uh, we get to our fan questions here. Um, we got some good ones. I kind of looked through them quickly as they were coming in. We got some good stuff. Uh, we also got some weird ones that I, I tried to answer right away and knock those out of the out of the park. We'll talk about the podcast, but uh, I think I think we got some good questions that'll kind of direct some conversations we talked about we wanted to get to. So shoot away, Bill. What do we what do we got this week from the peeps? righty. if I didn't see a weird one that you already answered, just let me know. But I guess <laughs> don't read, I, don't read Zach's tweet. Pretty much that, that's the one. Oh, okay. I mean <laughs> that one I, I knew enough to leave off, but no offense, Zach. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I guess I'll just run through the ones that we kind of already answered at this point. Um, so Jimmy had, it's a good start, but should we be a little worried? First two games were great, but after that, it's kind of been like last year's feel of get a lead, sit back and hold on and let the other team have good chances. So, I mean, I believe that was pretty much already the first half of the podcast. Love to know your thoughts on the Darlene benching from Dan. So, boom, answered. Uh, this one I actually meant to bring up. So I've seen that. I know you guys were uh, fourth line or what we should call them. I've seen a couple names thrown out. So Chili had feelings on the log, L-O-G line, being the best in hockey. I've also seen the Roaring Twenties. So uh, I guess we can go with how do you feel about them being the best line in hockey and kind of what nicknames or does Anthony just stick with the fourth line and that's it? <laughs> By the way, I have not seen the Roaring Twenties. That is all my all-time favorite nickname since French Connection, which I wasn't alive for, but you get yeah, the idea. I think that was from it's Brian Duff. I think, I think Brian Duff's one who dropped it during one of the one of the most okay. recent games. I'm pretty I sure. Saw, I fun. saw Chris Ostrander tweet. Yeah, he, he said he saw it, so I don't know where it came from. But yeah, I that's think a pretty it was, sweet name. I think it was Duffer. Yeah. 
that's yeah, pretty good. That's awesome. That's what I would go. With. I think if I'm going nickname, I'd go the Roaring Twenties. I think that's that's kind of where you want to go. That's with that. so cool. <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> we got we got that. Then we got this. Uh, someone else came up with the Speedwagon line, right? Yeah, the REO. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, two nicknames. Yeah. So far, it's all good. No, nope, everyone's held off on a nickname for the de facto second line because they want to go <laughs> off it so bad. <laughs> I call them the anchor line for these two guys can't run an anchor. That's what we'll call them. <laughs> Uh, to answer the question overall, though, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if I'd say best line in hockey. I don't want to get crazy, but you know, they've been really good, and it's been good to see. It, it's been helpful to the team. It's been beneficial. So, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit. So, I don't want to go too deep into it again, but right, it, it's good. It's you know, it, it's a it's exciting. I guess you can kind of say to kind of see those players that a lot of people kind of bang and rag on, including my, including myself and you know you guys too. You know, we we gave some of those guys a hard time in the offseason and even the preseason, like a post up. So. You know, Apostle fits that role, and, and I'm glad the Sabres are not trying to force feed things and put them in a top six role, but maybe try to recover, recoup any value there. So they they put him in a spot to succeed, and, and he's doing that. So good on them for doing that, and you know, good on that line for coming through and, and being a, a big part of this hot start so far. I'm just a little upset that Kruger might actually leave and uh, pursue his patent on rocket skates because that's what we talked about with Poso, just slower <laughs> than hell. And he's, I mean, he's not fast, but I mean, he just looks like an actual NHL player, which he did not look that way in the preseason and, and toward the end of last year. So credit to whatever, if he's drinking like Mike's magic stuff at, at the beginning of the game or, or whatever's going on. But yeah, cheers, three cheers for Kyle Poso. He's proving useful. So this kind of ties in also with the the nickname. So Scott wants to know how is Saboka still on the second line? I would imagine it's just because they're still winning, right? It's still winning, and there's Sherry's hurt. So what do you I mean? They just called up Lazar for the West Coast trip. So I'm just gonna bring that up. Yeah, he has blackmail. <laughs> that that's possible too. <laughs> so actually, since you brought up the Lazar thing, I was gonna save this for later, but let's get to it now. Subsequent seer will Tage Thompson play in blue and gold before Thanksgiving? No, unless someone's hurt now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, I guess that's the, the exact answer. He's not going to just play. You know, if everyone stays healthy, right. no. But uh, I can totally. Mm, hmm. No. They have to, I think they have to have a couple injuries. I mean, yeah, it, it could happen. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say. Okay. I'm, I, I'd go so far. A week here, but yeah. I'd go so far as to say, nah, you know what? No, you're right. Never mind. I'm over. Yeah, I'll answer the question. Is it I possible? want him to play. <laughs> Is it possible? Sure. It's definitely possible. Is is it gonna happen based on just what he's doing in Rochester? No, I don't think so. Like, if everybody's healthy, they're gonna call up Tate Thompson because of how well he's playing. No, I don't think so. I, I think you'll have to have a couple guys get hurt here, and then he might get called up. I agree. So yeah, I was gonna say yes, but that was with like an injury or two. Yeah. Um, by the way, little Tate Thompson shout out: two goals, five points in four games. He's the number one star of the game twice, uh, and he's got a game-winning goal and a shootout game-winning goal. So he's off to a hot start. Yeah, I mean, keep, keep it going, man. I mean. Might not look too bad on that second line. Eventually, eventually. No, I agree. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that might be a spot eventually. Maybe that's in January. Maybe that's a spot. So if he keeps things going or December, I don't know. I mean, if if you hit the if the team goes off the rails here, or they start losing a bunch of games. I don't want to wait till February to call a player to try to fix the team. That's for sure. So um, if they keep playing okay and not going off the rails, losing a lot of games, and nobody looks like a tire fire then i would say i wouldn't expect to see him until december maybe january right on all right these two kind of tie in a little bit sabers weasel do you think risto is getting minutes to gain some trade value 
along with Jeffrey Smith, will the Sabres try to get rid of one of their right-handed shot defensemen? See, here's the thing with the trade value for Salinen. Uh, I, I don't know if that's their plan necessarily. I would, in a way, kind of hope that's not the plan because that might come back to bite you. I guess you could say. I mean, so far so good. He's he's not playing as well as he was the first two games. I'll say that he's had more quote unquote Risto moments. I guess you could say um, some questionable things. Some of the possession numbers have started to go the other way, but nothing terrible or egregious like they kind of have. Uh, in the past. So he's still kind of surviving at this point. But the reason I say no on the value is because what would happen is while he, I mean, he's not, nothing has changed. He's played 24, 25 minutes the last three, four years. So that's not going to catch teams eyes. Like that's changing. It's like, Oh, the Buffalo's just doing that still where it might catch people's eyes is the point value. The point total is going to be down. He has 1.5 games. So, I mean, if we get to the deadline or we get to November, or December, and a GM checks in a wrist line and sees he has seven points or six points in 20 games, they're going to, I mean, it's, uh, maybe he's struggling or not doing so well. And it's kind of what we kind of talked about before the season started is it's going to be hard to rebuild value because unless a team really focuses in on his defensive game that's improving, which it has to an extent so far you know, they're, they're going to see the point total is down. So, you know, I mean, that that's kind of – it's going to be hard to recoup value. That's why I kind of thought this offseason his value was maybe at his highest. So while his defensive game can improve, if he's on pace for a 27-point season or something come December, you know, it's it's really going to be tough to kind of sell that off to teams. Yeah, I forget who wrote the article uh, during the summer. It might have been you at Die by the Blade just basically – expressing that point where this summer is was most likely always going to be his highest value because he's not going to be on that first power play unit anymore. Right. And that's where he was collecting a lot of those, you know, secondary assists and, and, you know, those vanity points, you know, that made him a name, right. The a name that people knew 1.5 games is, is not a big surprise really way. He's off the first power play. You know what I mean? He's, he's probably, I don't know. It's just he's not getting put in a role to produce points. You want to talk about, you know, are you showcasing him? Mm, I don't know how you could have showcased him any better than you already had been. You know what I'm saying? Aside from, you know, the last three or four years, putting him on the third pairing and still rolling him on that first power play. You know what I mean? Shelter him a little more. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think his value is increasing. Uh, so, no. I think the, the tweet that came out, and I forgot who, who sent it out the other day, where there were 30 scouts at the game, got people's ears perked up. But. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with them. No. I be, yeah, I might be super naive, but I really wouldn't imagine there's kind of a secret handshake to like play Risto 25 minutes to get his value up. I just kind of noticed yeah. coaching a GM doing that. Yeah. Plus, when you want him on the second power play unit, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, he's not, right? Isn't it Miller? No, he is. He's playing with he Miller is. in the second yeah. pair. Oh, he is. Okay. Power play, yeah. But I mean, they get, I mean, what? That, the top pair gets a minute and 30 seconds and they get 30 right. seconds? Right. Right. And when, when they're coming on, they're trying to reestablish zone possession at that point because usually that's the only way the Eichel group comes off. That first off. Pair mm-hmm. come, so. Sticking with the defense, D. Crofty. Are this year's D course the reason for the high goalie save percentage or the goalies just starting to stand on their head? He hopes it's the former. Also, Chadley, will we be doing the Let's Go Amherst updates again this season? Thanks for the efforts. Long live BTB Hockey. Thanks mm. for the question and support. Very nice. Uh, yes, we will be doing that. Um, I got to talk to Keith uh, 
uh, probably tomorrow and get uh, arrange a day, but we'll be doing that. So those Amherst podcasts will come this week. Uh, we'll get our first one with Keith this week. So to answer that quickly, yes, those are still going to be happening on a weekly basis. I just got to nail that down with Keith and start recording them. Uh, the goaltending, um, they've been good. They've both been good. Allmark in particular, I think, has played very well. Uh, I don't. I, I how do I, I maybe I think it's more of a system thing than a defenseman. That's I mean, it, it, they're better defensemen on the roster. Don't get me wrong, but. I think the system itself, and we talked about that having puck moving defense that can get the puck out of the zone when you are hemmed in there a little bit. Um, I think it's helped over last year, but you know, so far so good on both goaltenders. I'm not, they've both, they both, I guess you could say kind of had their iffy goals, but for the most part, they've both been fine. So, I mean, we'll see how it continues to progress. I mean, we, we saw good goaltending to start the season last year. Just uh-huh. got to see that consistency continue here. Yeah, can I say both? I mean, you know, yeah. we, we've talked about it a few times throughout the episode. You know, they're they're exiting the zone with a lot more efficiency. Uh, if you look at, you know, the shot maps, they're they're doing a little bit better job of consolidating the high danger stuff. But I mean, then you look at the other end of the spectrum, all mark against Florida, the dude stood on his head. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's 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 both. Uh, I think both of them are are reason for encouragement, though. So you know, I know you said I hope it's the former, you know, more than the latter. Yeah, no, I think, you know, one of the big things we talked about all summer on the podcast and elsewhere was you needed the goalies to step up their game and, you know, they're not perfect. They're not elite. They're not great, but they they played well. And I think, you know, we talked about it above average play is what you need. And I think they're accomplishing that and maybe a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. So if you want to quickly, I looked while Anthony was talking. Uh, natural Statric has them as the sixth lowest expected goals against per 60 so far. There you go. So there you go. They're getting these goaltenders are seeing lower quality chances against. So that that's kind of definitely helping their game. You know, if you're not seeing all those high quality scoring chances or high danger scoring chances, um, that absolutely is going to work in your favor and definitely should improve your goaltending. Even though last year we kind of seen them struggle with that, I guess you could say, but, it's a pretty nice improvement from last year where they were, I'm trying to find it now, um, 17th overall. So, I mean, they're kind of yeah, in the middle of the pack, nothing crazy, but still, I mean, in, into the top 10 is, is definitely an improvement. All right, sticking with the goalies, T. Johnson. Has Allmark played well enough for you guys to start to show signs of him taking over as a starting goalie? thought he played really well against Florida. You can go first, Anthony. I'm looking up something, so go ahead. Maybe. Uh, I think you might see him get a little bit more even of a rotation. Uh, it, it's probably a little too early because you remember last year, kind of the same thing happened. He he, he started really, That's really right. well and then tapered right off. So uh, I don't think we've seen enough yet to, to start considering him the one. I don't even, I mean, I know Hutton is like technically the 1G here, right? But uh, I, I think you're... Mm. I, I I think I anticipated something uh, like a fifty thirty two distribution on on the like maybe three or four episodes ago, and I think that's still probably right. Uh, maybe it gets a little closer as the season progresses to fifty fifty. But have I seen enough to have him run away as as you know the one A goalie? No, not yet. But if he keeps doing what he's doing, he will. And it's interesting. And kind of looking at some goalie stats quickly, I kind of pulled it up again. Natural stat trick. <laughs> Carter Hutton, uh, second lowest expected goals against per 60 in the league at 1.45. And Allmark is all the way down here at 2.28 expected goals against per 60. So you kind of see who's getting more of the more difficult shots. And, I mean, you kind of see that in the game, you know, right? You're kind of getting that idea where, you know, Hutton's looking at 
3.3 high danger shots against per 60, uh, which is again, I mean, top four lowest in the league right now uh, with that rate. And Allmark is at 4.86. So, you know, Allmark's getting a little bit of the more difficult work, I guess you could say. And, and, and that's good. Florida you know, game's got to throw that a Probably a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I did manage I mean, to you remember the Montreal, Hutton was in for the Montreal game, right? And that's true. That same that's thing true. In the third I mean, not to that same extent, but, uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it's good. I mean, and look at these numbers; they look good for Hutton. Goals, goals saved above average for sixty is you know second in this in the league right here. And Natural Satrick at two point one zero for Allmark. So, you know, all, all things are pointing good for Allmark. It's just his whole thing throughout his career has been consistency. So, you know, I think if you if you can start to get that, then yeah, that's going to be excellent for your team. It's just if we've seen this, so I'm, I'm not going to kind of mm-hmm. clamp onto it yet. We've seen him throw together three, four, five good games. And then we see seven nightmares. Like, so, you know, you, you kind of, you can throw one or two bad games in there, but it can't be consistently. You need to consistently see the better game. So I, I think the way Krueger's handled this right now, I, I would kind of, I think he's doing a good job. You know, I mean, they have a stretch coming up here where they have a game Monday, a game Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, right? So, and then you come back home again and you have San Jose right after that. So I, I think both lawyers are going to get a lot of games here. So at least until you get to that Sweden trip, and then maybe we'll kind of see after that, early November kind of who they're going to lean on more. But I think Kruger's done a good job. Let them both get in there and, and kind of after a month or so, a month and a half, start to ride the goaltender who's going the best and see where that takes you. All right. Kind of sticking in the analytic realm. We kind of answered this already, but I'll just see if you guys have anything more. Eric wants to know, he'd love to hear some analytical comparisons between the streak from last year and their hot start this year. Yeah, I mean, you gotta talk, you gotta look at sample size and something like that, and you know, my, it's five games versus ten. But a lot of those trends uh, leading up to the ten game streak were, were still prevalent. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's it looks more sustainable. Uh, you know, kind of the Florida game and and the Montreal game, notwithstanding. But uh, you, you could just you don't you don't necessarily you know. Uh, need that to, to just kind of see that, that, that everything's kind of going better, right? The transition play is something we've talked about that that's improving, right? They're allowing fewer high danger shots. So are they similar situations? I wouldn't say so, but I wouldn't, ex- I mean, obviously uh, you're not going four Oh and one consistently, you know what I mean? Over five game stretches for the year. So sustainability, I mean, no, it's not sustainable, you know, standings wise to keep producing this many points, but uh, it's certainly a hell of a lot more sustainable than what they were doing during the 10 game streak, which, I think, man, from an odd standpoint, I think that was like a one in a hundred thousand maybe chance yeah. in all of those games. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely more sustainable. But is it sustainable in and of itself? Probably not. Yeah, and that's I think that's the interesting part here. Where you know, if, before I begin to the number stuff of it, it's when you watch the game, these, these are different. You know, it's for most parts of those games in ten game winning streak. For most of them, uh, there were some exceptions, but it was a lot of comeback wins. It was a lot of goalies standing on their head. You know, I think of the Tampa game where, you know, I think it was Hutton played great. They won two to one. Uh, two posts late. Right. The comeback, the comeback game against Pittsburgh. Uh, the, the middle side had that goal late, right? And then they went in an overtime on the Oikel overtime thing. And, you know, so they were getting, they were almost all exclusively overtime and shootout games. So you really weren't winning a lot in regulation. You were kind of getting super lucky. And that can happen in hockey, you know. It's it's um, <laughs> as much as we get into these numbers and these things. It's uh, it's it's kind of the randomness, you know, of the sport and um, the luck you can have at times. So things going your way and things not going your way. And right now everything's going their way. But 
in, in terms of the numbers themselves, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the possession numbers look good. Uh, they didn't really necessarily look that good uh, last year in the 10-game winning streak. I think they look very good right now. Uh, the expected goals still look pretty decent. Um, there's, a, I wouldn't say a concern, but there's a trend that you want to correct. Perhaps the last three games, they've kind of been handily outperformed in expected goals against their opponents. So maybe you kind of want to see that correct itself. But um yeah, I mean, I would like to see some more improvement at five on five. You know, I, I, the power play thing is nice, and you kind of need that to you know be a successful team too. But I kind of want to see them maybe show a little bit more of five on five, control more of the game at even strength, and kind of maybe even pop a few more goals. And that's maybe just me being nitpicky, but that that's kind of how it is. So, you know, analytically, the numbers you're looking at, you know, show there's definitely there's definitely if they play at this level, it's sustainable and it, and it could you know, it could go well. I mean, at the same time, you could say they continue to, they can continue to play this well, but if something like goaltending goes off the rails, then they're still not going to win hockey games. I mean, the Carolina Panthers of two years ago are a perfect example of that. Their numbers analytically were excellent, but their goaltending was so bad that they couldn't outperform that. So I mean, it's one thing in a, in a team that really can can kind of bring that down. And that's kind of, I think, the point we've, we've talked about a lot in the offseason and kind of going into the season is, is you need a handful of things to kind of go your way for this team to make that big of a jump. And so far so good, but you know, we'll have to see if they can maintain this level. If you know, I mean, another thing that comes into is injuries. The Sabres stayed relatively healthy last year. Are you going to get that same thing? I mean, you got 82 games out of Reinhardt. You got 77 out of Eichel. You got 82 out of Darlene. You, you know, the majority of your key players, I mean, heck, you got like 70 out of like Bogosian, I think, or whatever. So you know, you, you've got a pretty healthy team. You're already kind of missing Sherry here early. We have the Montour injury, a pilot who's injured. So, you know, you, you kind of got to hope that that stays in your favor too. So while the analytic numbers can look good and can look promising, there's definitely some things that could happen outside of that that can kind of derail it a little bit, I guess you could say. On the injury front, I think it's a uh... – funny they must have kept all the same team doctors that we went from day to day to week to week pretty quick on Connor Sherry <laughs> yeah I, I mean if any if I'm gonna get mad about anything I think it's the Montour thing where I think they were super sneaky on that kind of that whole thing where he got the hand injury Kruger said yeah not too far of the season you should be ready and then like two days before the season started it's like oh it's three to four weeks where Sherry I can kind of understand he got hurt in Columbus so like yeah right now early evaluation looks like day to day gets back to Buffalo, their doctors look at him like, eh, maybe it's worse than we thought. So I can understand that part of it, but the Montour thing definitely for me was, is, I don't know, that, that was very odd. Like most things with their injuries after the last year or so. Oh, yeah. All righty, moving on. BB, you got a two-parter. First one we kind of did. Why did Kruger suddenly start playing conservative with the lead late, or is that a staff doing it? I believe you guys kind of said it's probably Kruger and with something to watch going forward. Part two, what happened using Jack Rhino or Skinner at the end of the penalty kill? Uh, I don't think they ever used Reinhardt and Skinner at the end of the penalty kill, did they? Did I miss that? Uh, I just remember Eichel. I think it was like the Eichel. first game, yeah. Uh, I, and I still think they're doing the Eichel thing. I mean, not maybe not as much, but I still think they're doing that. But I don't remember. Reinhardt maybe, but Skinner, no. I don't remember Skinner being out there at all. Hmm. I hope they continue like a thing because it works. I mean, it's yep. the penalty kill in general. I don't think is very good, and I don't like the way they kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. I looked it up that. today. They dropped like 
you know, 18 now. Yeah. I, I don't like a lot of the structure or the strategy, I guess, in that penalty kill. And VC's out there it. too, which is weird. Well, I mean, that's the thing. People keep saying that. Well, VC's not good defensively. I mean, it's, I'm not telling you he was a good penalty killer. I can only tell you that people in the, on New York said he was a really good penalty killer and the numbers back up from last season, he was a really good penalty killer. So I'm not going to kill Kruger over that because that's something that in the numbers and by performance, what people said um, that he was good at last season. So it's interesting for a guy who's not a great defensive forward to be good at the penalty kill, but apparently he was the last year or two in with the Rangers. So interesting. There's, there's that part of it. Yeah, no, I just tend to kind of reiterate what Chad said. It, it was interesting, those first couple of games you saw that they were getting a little more aggressive on the penalty kill, which is something we were kind of calling for last year. And, and you know, it was something I kind of outlined in, in my season preview-esque kind of piece I did last month. Uh, but then they kind of got away from that, and you're seeing the, them drop a little bit. So I don't, I don't like the uh, penalty kill strategy at the moment either. However, well, you know, again, sample size, it's really, really tough to say, which is five games of data and, and, you know, eyeball test for that matter. Nick Russo. So we got one more and then two eh, fun ones, I guess we can say. For the okay. end. Nick Russo, can you please give a commentary on how it's good to going to be good for the guys to bond a little bit on the West coast trip? Uh, I mean, that's where the dream started uh, last year, right? When they went out West yep. coast and they started that 10 game winning streak. So, uh, uh, well, it's a 10-game winning streak. They started winning games, I guess you could say. Uh, the winning streak was kind of in November. But they started winning games and playing better hockey. So, yeah, I mean, for a new team, I think that's, you know, it's a way for them to bond and, you know, that would be good for them. How it will translate on the ice, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But, yeah, Usually I mean. split. Right. Which is yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it, you know, in MLA San Jose, maybe you're hoping to take two out of three there. You know, or maybe mm-hmm. get it out of there with four out of six points somehow. So, no, that that's kind of what I guess what my goal of one of those three games is kind of end up with that. Yeah, we talked about it at the potathon yesterday uh, with with Andrew Utaro. Uh, that's kind of for for us. You know, he he asked a question. I think it was you know what what's going to be you know the first big test for this team. And I think we both agreed that the West Coast road trip. You know, uh, if you if they can take two out of those three games or or more, uh, that would kind of indicate. You know, we're on to some, <clears throat> excuse me, we're on to something here. Uh, as for you know, bonding experience over West Coast trip, I, I don't know. I've never been you know on an NHL team, so I can't really advise on that. I'm sure it happens to an extent, but I don't know what you know to what effect. Alrighty, let's have some fun. John Brown with a NHL question, NHL wide. Will Taylor Hall get traded? Uh, ooh. I hope so. Yeah, uh yes <laughs> Hall for uh, Salina, it's one for one <laughs> right right oh my god yes please <laughs> i'd say yes the reason i say yes is because he kind of put in the offseason that he wants to play off a play in a playoff game eventually uh that team was off to a rough start and i don't think they can risk him walking out the door for nothing in july so i would say yes i think taylor hall if New jersey continues to struggle is traded by the deadline yeah i agree that'll be so can you imagine anyway <laughs> And they right. have to find like a, a lot of cap room. Well, yeah. they have a lot of cap room, right? But and I, I kind of get back like Taylor Hall is awesome, but do I let people fight for Taylor Hall? Then I low-key go grab Tyler Toffoli for maybe cheaper in the offseason. Mm-hmm. That's a discussion for later, I guess. I, I meant I meant for a trade this season. I want to ask the cap yeah, room thing. I don't uh, – well, yeah. I mean, do you trade wrist though? What do you get back, right? Yeah, right. No, fair enough. <laughs> in my fantasy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right so this one is actually one of i think it's our first not hockey question at all 
Mm. Uh, but it's an interesting one. So, John Cozera, what is your stop you in your tracks movie if you're channel surfing? Ooh. Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> you guys are going to just love and hate my response. Well, you should go first. I'm still thinking, so go first. <laughs> it's definitely the dark night. <laughs> I was thinking about saying that. Uh, that's not a bad pick. I will watch it every time. What I don't recommend is coming off of anesthesia and watching it because that, <laughs> that's something that happened in my household. <laughs> that's good. Uh, man, um, I think my all, yeah, I, I think my all time favorite movie that if it's ever on, I'm flipping through channels and I'm going to stop and watch it. Uh, is Dumb and Dumber for me. I think that's hmm. that movie to me is still hilarious and I probably watched like a hundred times. So if I'm flipping through and I see that on, I'm definitely stopping. I, I think Step Brothers would up there for a second one too. If I see Step Brothers on, um, I'm probably going to stop and try to grab as much of that as I can too. For me, so this one actually was on the other week. So kind of made this a little easier. Wedding Crashers. Mm. Ah, that's a good one. Yep. That one usually gets me to stop and catch the end of it if it's still on. I have to expect you to say The Lion King. For those who don't know, Bill is a big Disney fan, so I thought for sure he was going Disney movie there. Well, I mean, funny <laughs> enough, yeah. I was going to say, if Layton's in the room, it's Finding Nemo, but <laughs> <laughs> we're not passing that one up. But No, yeah, I think Wedding Crashers for me. Is that it? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. Um, all right, it's a very good. So I'll quickly get into the spiel here because we've kind of gone a little bit here. I don't want to. Real quick, one more thing. Sorry. Go, God. Dylan Cousins, six goals, 10 points in six games. Had a goal again tonight. So now he has seven. He's doing what we hoped he would. If you wanted to, Linus Wiesbach has already, I think, a few assists um, from playing on a line with Turka and um, holy hell. Completely blanked his name. Um, The small guy who scores a lot of goals at Wisconsin. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you kept on saying cousins. I mean, that's definitely not his name. Uh, yeah, Caulfield and Turcott. So, you know, he has a couple assists from that. And, you know, Caulfield's going to score like 4,500 goals in college and score a lot of goals with Joe. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Reesbach looks good. I, I know Laxton top two, a good start. Bruce Delaney's played pretty well for Liga. Um Cronholm is done. Davidson out there, right? Davidson is doing. He's doing all right. He's not too bad for. For uh, I don't want to. I, I say Vaxel, but it's wrong. I don't remember. I don't remember the way to say it. I, I think like somebody Patrick, like Patrick Bexel roasted me for saying that just completely <laughs> wrong on the Montreal podcast. <laughs> so we were talking about SHL. I can't say yeah. it, and I don't remember how he told me to say it. So like, I'm not going to attempt like, it. It's like. Uh, it's like a yo kind of thing. It's like a, like a vibe. I don't know. It, it's weird. It's weird how you pronounce it. But Vaxo is or Vaxio or whatever is definitely not, the right way. not the right way to say that is wrong. But uh, he's doing well there. He's, he's doing. Oh, I remember. It's Vecchia. Vecchia. That's it. Yep. That is it. Yep. Interesting. But he's doing well overall. He's doing well. But you know, I, I, the NCAA seasons have started. So uh, you know, Ryan Johnson, kind of from Minnesota, is just getting going. So. We'll see some of those guys, but yeah, Cousins looking good. You know, the Sabres haven't had a, uh, they haven't had a, a, a Canadian junior prospect who's going to score a million points in juniors in, in a long time. So I'm sure he'll continue to rack up those points as the season goes. He'll be interesting to watch for uh, the real juniors. So that'll give us a kind of a guy to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. His, his goal today was a nice shot. So 
good to see. Very good. I'm just running out the clock till he scores, hits 24 goals, so I can tweet out my dope tweet, Dylan Cousins scoring dozens. <laughs> <laughs> really sitting on that one. <laughs> you shouldn't have gone live with it. Someone's going to steal it now from you. That's okay. They can have it. <laughs> <laughs> You thought I, I guarantee you thought of it one day. You're like, oh shit, I'm writing that down. I don't know. <laughs> Putting that in the me- dude, you'd That's be amazed fire. how many how many things get written in the mental notebook that I just immediately forget about ten minutes later. It's like, oh, that would have been cool <laughs> had I remembered it. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So what's the spiel here at the end? So make sure that you're following. Uh, at BTB Hockey on Twitter and Facebook for Beyond the Blade. Uh, Anthony at Chiandra Sports. Myself at CMD Domenicis. Bill at Bill Shockey's where you can find him. Make sure you subscribe, rate, share, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And then, of course, make sure you are also following Die by the Blade for excellent Sabres content throughout the season. And you'll also find our podcast up there as well. So, for all in one fellas, there are four games this week before we'll talk again. Dallas, Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose. So if this team comes back 8-0-1, I don't know what we're going to do. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's fun around here. So hopefully the, the good things keep going. Uh, everyone keeps their mood up. And we'll keep an eye on how Kruger kind of deploys his players because that I think will be a topic here over the next week to a couple weeks. So Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will be back next week. Enjoy the handful of games. Enjoy Sabres After Dark on Twitter. That's always a bunch of fun. Mm-hmm. That's this week. It's a big week for those Twitter people out there. So uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening, and see you later. Bye.